Hi friends, my name is Tracy and I'm so glad you joined us for this episode of the Abundant Living Podcast. This is your podcast where you can discover how to better serve Christ, create great friendships with like-minded ladies, and live a more abundant Christian life. Before we dive in, remember you can find podcasts like this and so much more on our website at christianladiesfellowship.com. While learning more about this unique ministry, you can also read articles, find resources like books and music, sign up to get helpful devotions delivered right to your inbox, and click the link to join the conversation in our Facebook group. Thank you for joining me today for episode number 43 of the Abundant Living Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Burns. I have kind of a funny story for you today. Well, it wasn't funny at the time it happened, but I'm sure you'll at least humorously shake your head by the end of it. Then I'll give you something a little spiritual to hopefully make up for it. Before we get started today, I just want to say now that we're three episodes into season two, do not forget to share this podcast with another lady. I know word of mouth is the best way to get someone interested in listening to this podcast. As always, I love hearing how this podcast is helping you and who you've shared it with. So please feel free to reach out through our Instagram, our Facebook group, or you can email me at the address in the show notes. Sometime when I was around 7th or 8th grade, and when my family and I lived in the Mojave Desert in Southern California, I had an eye-opening foray into what I'm pretty sure now was heat exhaustion. We lived in one of those sprawling track home type neighborhoods, all built in the 80s where the houses were spread out on half-acre lots. In fact, the neighborhood just beyond ours had yards just as big or even bigger, and was zoned for horses. I was a horse-crazy kid, and I always was mentally trying to cook up some way to talk my parents into letting me get a horse. One hot summer day, my friend Morgan came over to spend the day with me. Morgan just happened to be as horse-crazy as I was, so in the way only junior hires come up with crazy ideas, we devised a plan that we would walk to the other side of my neighborhood, into the other neighborhood, find houses with horses in the backyard, knock on the front doors, and ask their owners if we could go in the backyards to pet them. Where my parents were on this day, I don't remember. But in their defense, this was like 1992, and my generation was left to their own devices much earlier in life than the generation now. So imagine, if you will, two 13-year-old girls with a really dumb idea that sounded like a perfect plan to them. The middle of summer in a legit desert, hottest part of the day, and walking like three to five miles on asphalt... And this was before water bottles were even a thing. In fact, we were junior hires, so we were probably grossly underhydrated to begin with, as most kids are. We set out on our adventure. It got mighty hot right before we hit that next neighborhood, but we had big plans for petting strangers' horses to motivate us. Plus, it was the 90s when it wasn't weird at all to just drink out of a hose. We made it to the other neighborhood and started scouting backyards for horses that needed petting. We knocked on a couple of doors, and they turned us down nicely with looks on their faces like, what in the world? <laughs> they were completely justified looking back now. We were getting super hot and very tired. We agreed to try one more house, and this guy actually said yes. He told us to use the gate, maybe because we smelled like junior hires who'd been out in the sun too long, and he met us in the back. He let us stand at the corral and pet his horses for like 30 minutes. This just goes to show that sometimes plans made by 13-year-olds aren't for naught. With his permission, we drank some water from the hose in his yard, even though we were probably past the point of no return. Then we bid him farewell to head back to my house. This guy lived on the edge of that neighborhood. Then there was like an S-shaped expansive road 
through a patch of desert that connected it to the road that ran along the front of my neighborhood. If we skipped following the road, made a diagonal line straight from his house through the desert, we could make it to my house in much less walking distance. Plus, we wouldn't have to walk on all that hot asphalt that felt tacky on our cheap sneakers. Off we went, weaving through the mesquite bushes, headed to the back of my neighborhood towards my house. We forgot to take into account we'd already been out in the heat, sweating whatever fluid we had left for the last two or so hours. We didn't realize that the sun off the sand was much hotter and perhaps more intense than walking on the road. We also didn't think that no one would know we were in the middle of the desert if something happened. Junior hires are not the brightest bulbs on the tree. Partway, I started feeling sick. My head started pounding and my stomach started cramping. I wanted to sit down, but the sand was so hot I knew it would burn. Morgan started getting panicky. She put her arm around me and kept pulling me along. All I could think was, I need to sit down and I need water and I'm going to die. Not too far up ahead was the back of a church that faced the road that ran in front of my neighborhood. Morgan kept saying, let's try to get to that church and sit in the shade on the sidewalk. I'll see if I can find a faucet we can drink from. Don't stop. Come on, just keep walking. It's going to be okay. I wanted to stop and sit down so bad. I was so tired and everything hurt. My legs felt like they couldn't move anymore, but somehow they took me to the sidewalk on the shady side of that church. Morgan sat me down and said, I'm going to go find some water, okay? Don't worry. I'm going to come right back. She ran around the front of the church, and that's when I started dry heaving. Breakfast had been a long time ago, and all the water had been sweated out of my body, so there was nothing to heave up. When Morgan came back down the sidewalk towards me, I was lying on the cool sidewalk with the side of my face pressed to the concrete, convinced that this is how I would die. Morgan had a man with her, and he helped us into the cool hallway of the church where the AC was doing its thing, and we both collapsed on the floor. I'm sure we smelled lovely. But that nice man came back with cold sodas and wet cold towels. Oh, bless that man. He could have stolen those towels from the baptistry closet and dipped them into the baptistry to get them wet. But I didn't care at all right then. I don't know if he was the pastor or the janitor or what, but I was convinced in that moment that he saved my life. He offered to drive us home once we had cooled off. We declined because stranger danger, right? Then he offered to call my house, which was definitely a hard no, because there was no way I wanted to explain how we ended up almost dying of heat stroke in the desert in the first place. You know, the horse petting scheme that actually worked out until it didn't. We finally convinced the man that once we were cool and hydrated, we could just walk the maybe one mile left to my house. So he relented. He told us to stay there as long as we felt necessary. I don't even remember walking home after that. I just remember that wonderful man, his cold sodas, the what might have been baptistry towels, and the cool feeling of laying on the carpet in the church hallway. It wasn't until years later I realized how badly that could have ended up if we hadn't had relief from the heat right when we did. I didn't know what heat exhaustion was until I googled it years later when googling was finally a thing. I have no idea what became of Morgan either, but her quick thinking kept me from collapsing in the desert on that blistering afternoon. If I met her now, I'd probably give her a hug for saving me and then laugh with her about how stupid we'd been. Often, our paths of life can lead us through desert. Sometimes this desert is self-inflicted, like two junior hires taking a dumb shortcut. Sometimes it's just what God has chosen to put in our way to help us grow or to teach us something he wants us to learn. Sometimes it's the actions and failures of others that leave us stranded in the heat 
with no way to find relief. Regardless of how we got there, the desert will leave us weak. It has a way of stripping away all our well-laid plans and leaving us dehydrated with what seems like no way to survive. I know I said this on the podcast before, but tough times come to everyone. The Bible confirms this, so we can expect them. And I hate to say it, but they always seem to blindside us. While I can run through a few scenarios, there are many more I'm sure that could apply that I may have missed here. The desert of failed health. The desert of financial devastation or financial insecurity. The desert of broken relationships. The desert of betrayal. The desert of disappointment. The desert of broken dreams. The desert of abandonment. The desert of death. And the desert of fear. When you find yourself stranded in a desert in your life, you can expect to experience the symptoms of spiritual heat exhaustion. Now, perhaps some of you are super spiritual and have it all under control. So for those of you like me, who sometimes get knocked to the mat out of nowhere, here are a few signs to show when we've gotten weak in the desert and that we need to find help. We find ourselves magnifying the problem above the solution. Now, I'm not talking about you're not looking for a way out. I think we all do that when the tough times come. I'm talking about the mental gymnastics we find ourselves in. You know, when we worry about something we can't fix or change that keeps us up at night, makes us not hungry, or makes us eat an entire carton of ice cream standing at the freezer door at midnight. I'm not speaking from the voice of experience, I promise. When we put that problem on such a high pedestal in our minds, it can become such a focus we never allow God the time and space to deal with it. We lack the faith to let him take care of it, to trust him to have the solution. We question where God has put us and what he's given us. Perhaps the most favorite tool of the devil is doubt. He will plant it in our minds and hearts any way he can manage it. He'll use good people to do it too. He'll use circumstances to do it. He'll use our own fear to do it. He wants us to not trust God. He wants us to be looking on something or to somewhere other than where God has us. So we are less effective and even ineffective for God. We struggle in our walk with God. When it's hard to walk with God, it's a sure sign we're suffering from spiritual heat exhaustion. I've heard some people say that this is a sign of being backslidden, but sometimes just praying is impossible when you can barely make it through a day. Once after my mom died, I just started my prayer with, God, it hurts too much to talk right now, so I'm just going to sit here with you, and I'm not going to say a whole lot. I remember opening my Bible, reading one verse, and just sitting there and crying. We feel inadequate. Everyone has a moment where they worked so hard at something and then they wondered. I bet no one would even notice if I quit. Often, the desert can make us look inward at our pain, at our inability to move forward. In that desert, I just wanted water. I wanted to sit down because my legs could not move anymore. All I could think about was the crisis within me so much that I couldn't focus on anything else. Life's deserts cause us to look inward and see how weak we really are, even in the best of times. We are crippled by the what-ifs. I think when we're in the desert, everyone asks some what-ifs, but I'm talking about being consumed with them to the point that it becomes guilt and feelings of failure, and it starts to eat away at you. We look for answers outside of what the Bible has said. 
Now, this one is a tough pill to swallow, but it is so true. We can find ourselves when we're weak in the desert, leaning on the opinions and thoughts of people who have no business deciding things for us when our lives are supposed to be in God's hands. God has given us the Bible and a spiritual guide in our pastors for counsel. When we go beyond that, we tread dangerous territory. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about, say, like sources on grief, but even then you need to be very careful about where you're getting your commentary. Is this you? Have you experienced signs of spiritual heat exhaustion? Or are you experiencing them right now? Do you feel so weak you're unsure if you can go on? Now, this isn't an end-all, be-all of ways to survive withering in the desert of life, but I want to give you a few simple things to consider. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Galatians 6, 9, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if ye faint not. There's so much in the book of Psalms about getting weary. David called on God so many times to ask for relief or deliverance. Normal people get weary, but... We don't have to just lie down in the sand and die. No, these five things might seem simple, but I promise they'll help as you trudge through that desert in your life. First, seek wisdom. I'm so blessed that consistently throughout my life, God has given me great men as my counselors. God put a great dad in my life who was also my pastor for many years. I married a man with character. He's one of the most steady, decisive, consistent people that I know. I have an amazing pastor who I can go to for counsel. When my mind's in turmoil about a problem and I need some input, I have a place that God's meant for me to go. Of course, his word is first and foremost, but after that, I have my husband and then my pastor for godly wisdom. I had some friends 15 years ago or so that gave me their unsolicited opinions about things that ran contrary to what my pastor at the time had advised. I will say that God blessed me for following my pastor's advice during that time. And at the time, it was hard to dismiss them because I loved them, but they weren't my counselors, according to the word of God. Next, wait. And by wait here, I mean to be still. I don't mean to stop and sit down in the sand. That's a bad idea, and you'll burn yourself. (laughs) I mean, just slow down and stop letting the chaos of life be your soundtrack. Just wait and be still. Let God do his work. Ask him to teach you what he means for you to learn in the desert. Trust him to sustain you even when the journey is at its toughest. Do not make emotional life-altering decisions. Do not speak out of emotion. Just wait. Be still. Breathe. And get out of God's way and let him work. Next, rest, but don't lay down. I know I talk a lot about working for the Lord and staying busy for him on this podcast, but sometimes what he has for us is to take time for a rest. In episode number six of this podcast, I dove a little deeper on this subject, so I won't rehash it all here. If you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to do so. After the showdown on Mount Carmel and his flight from Jezebel wanting to murder him, Elijah was in a low place and God prescribed not more work but a time of rest. Take some time for rest, but don't quit. Next, remember. The Bible talks a lot about remembering. In the deserts, we need to remember how we made it as far as we have. We need to remember the why, the Savior we serve. We need to remember those who helped us become who we are and those who have invested in us. I have such a great spiritual heritage 
The pastor of the church who reached us through door-to-door soul winning in 1985 is still pastoring the same church. While we live on opposite sides of the country and we don't see each other very often, I will always appreciate what he did for me and my family. I would never disparage him or criticize his ministry. His faithfulness was a big part of where I am today. And for that, I'll remember and be grateful always. So many people have loved and helped me along the way. And when life gets tough, I have to remember all those who invested in me and prayed for me. I can't sit down. I can't quit and waste their investment. Even if I'm dragging myself through the sand, at least I'm moving and I haven't given up. Remember the zeal you had when you first started. Remember how joyful you were to find that church family. Remember how filled up you were every Sunday night after a day in church. Remember the reason that you started in the first place. And then last, do something new. Now I'm not talking about anything drastic or bizarre, like cutting bangs. I'm talking about something that will keep you moving forward, even if it's a slow and lurching moving forward. Try journaling your thoughts. Write down what God's given you that day. Even if you just read one verse, write down your hurts and your prayers and your dreams and desires. Try praying in a new way. Walk while you pray, vacuum the house while you pray. Talk to God like you would to a loved one instead of just asking for all of your desires. Memorize all the names of God and praise him as you recite them. Create a way to cultivate life again. I'm not saying you have to act like you aren't about to die from heat exhaustion. I'm saying do something that will alleviate the symptoms. If you were a dumb junior hire who decided to take a several mile long walk through the desert in the middle of summer with no water, you're going to be in rough shape. But one glass of water is better than nothing, right? So do something, one thing towards recovery. It might be getting rid of negativity through something like deleting all your social media or not allowing that person to complain to you all the time. Do one thing and do it over and over as if you were taking a vitamin every day. Soon it will become such a habit that you don't feel inconvenienced or like you're doing a chore. Then you can add one more thing to help towards recovery and so on. While I have no plans of walking around random neighborhoods knocking on doors to pet strangers' horses these days, my trek through the desert that day more than 30 years ago is a great reminder to me, and now to you, that the deserts are going to come and the journey will become grueling and sometimes seem utterly impossible. Each day will hurt afresh and it's another tough day. Imagine what those who loved Jesus felt like on the day he was crucified. They thought it was the end. Every bit of hope they had died on that cross with Jesus. They couldn't have known that the desert they saw as endless was just a three-day journey. In the end, they would have more hope than they ever thought possible. They just had to make it to Sunday morning. Keep going, friend. The desert might seem endless now, but you have someone with you who will help you every step of the way toward that shady spot where you'll find cool water to refresh you to keep you going for the Lord. If you enjoyed this episode of the Abundant Living Podcast, be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcasting app so that you are notified when a new episode is posted. Please rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. For more helpful content, be sure to check out our website, christianlandiesfellowship.com. Thank you so much for listening. 
and I hope that you're leaving with some great things that will help you to live more for the Lord, make amazing Christian friends, and serve the Savior every day. Let's go show the world just how abundant the Christian life can be. Until next time.